Hello, everyone, from my sick bed. This is the BitMart Brain Trust. Uh, I'm Matt Ryan. Sadly, I won't be a part of the conversation this week, but per my contract, I do have to introduce the show. Some sort of weird blood pact I had with Nathan, but I was going to be dead weight on the show this week anyway, because they're talking pros and cons of the Ethereum merge. Here now, Nathan Simone and Kalichi eBay. Gentlemen, take it away. Thank you, Matt. So sorry that you are feeling under the weather today. I know that with allergies and baseball season and that duck, or was it a goose, maybe still running around your apartment, you are probably just haggard right now. But of course, ever the trooper and the only member that I want on my team because you do such diligent work, because you're here when I need you, because you do the background stuff that nobody appreciates. I just want to know that I, I appreciate it. Kalichi appreciates it. So thank you, Matt, for hosting this conversation. It will be mostly me and Kalichi talking today, and we're going to be continuing our series on the ETH merge, which they continually keep adjusting the date on, don't they, Kalichi? They, uh, they've got uh -huh. this uh, weird push and pull they're doing with the public, huh? I wonder right. if they're manipulating, manipulating the ETH price. Like <laughs> we should get Vitalik on. Hey, Vitalik, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, to be to uh, be more serious for a second, we're talking about the pros and cons of the Ethereum merge coming up. Quick recap: If you didn't watch our first episode, what is the Ethereum merge? Well, all that it means in a basic sense is that Ethereum right now is on a proof of work consensus mechanism using complex mathematics and a whole bunch of electricity to solve mathematical problems in order to put transactions into the next block and confirm them. This is the same consensus mechanism that Bitcoin uses. It's incredibly energy intensive, and it's probably good to have for Bitcoin considering what Bitcoin's use case is. But for Ethereum, for almost five years, they've been trying to get away from this and move to what is called a proof of stake consensus mechanism. And this is essentially where people that have a stake in the network, they have a certain amount of ETH and they can pull this together or they can have it all at once. They can validate and confirm transactions without being able to use up all this electricity, having to run the complex algorithms, having to do all the math. So that is basically in a nutshell, or you could say an ETH shell, what the Ethereum merge is. Does that make sense, Kalichi? Did I explain that correctly? And also, I'm looking right into the camera now. Am I a madman? <laughs> no, you got it. Like, it's absolutely, yeah, you got it. Yeah, you nailed it. Like, that's that's essentially what um, it is. Uh, proof of work, proof of stake. Yep, you nailed it. And Kalichi, I, I want to ask your opinion on this. Mm -hmm. Are you excited about the ETH merge or could you just not even care less? <laughs> um, as someone who is um, like interested in the advancement of the entire like blockchain revolution, I'm excited um, for the Ethereum merge um, to see how obviously it improves the efficiencies uh, of uh, the Ethereum network. So yeah, I mean, I I I do some uh, like transactions on the Ethereum network. So. Anything that would give me a better experience, you know, give like the world, not just me, a better user experience, you know, while, you know, not, you know, I guess, harming the, like the environment or, you know, will be, will be a good plus. So it's, it's definitely a good development. I mean, you cannot not be a fan of it if you are overall <laughs> uh, a blockchain uh, um, enthusiast, but you know, it also comes with pros and cons that we'll talk about today. I mean, you can still be a fan of it, but still like recognize pros and cons, right? So it's not like, you know, you're just one-sided, right? So. This is true. This is true. You know, there are some people that are not fans of it. We could touch on that very briefly mm -hmm. before going into the pros and cons list. Right. And uh, this is mostly from the Ethereum mining community. So it is a little bit of a biased opinion, right? Okay, we could go into that. Now, why would somebody not be a fan of the merge coming up, Kalichi? I mean, you just said they can't not, they can't not not, I'll throw five more knots in there. They can't <laughs> not not be a fan of the merge. But Kalichi, why wouldn't somebody be a fan of the merge? Riddle us that, Riddler. <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, it is, like you said, the miners, um, a lot of them like truly believe that you know proof of work uh will give ethereum the best chance of being um i guess 
you know, decentralized in a lot of ways. And, um, but the, I guess the proof of stake, you know, you know, direction that they're trying to go uh, will in some capacity introduce some form of centralization of, you know, you know, validating the, the, the node, the Ethereum network. Uh, so that's, that's kind of the, the drawback of people who don't want to go this direction. Um, it's, it's how the, the long-term impact of, of how that could like basically hurt the entire premises or premise of what Ethereum was, you know, built upon, which is like decentralization, uh, mm -hmm. like an unstoppable world computer. Um, but with some of the decisions that is going to be made. Um, that can actually hurt that, you know, main selling point. I mean, we can go into the technical details of what those things are, but that's kind of just the overall concern. Yeah, let's dive deep into the tech, Kalichi. No, I'm kidding. This is an overview <laughs> show. We can't go that deep, Kalichi. So yes, the miners who have a biased incentive, they've bought all this mining equipment. And I'm actually not sure, maybe you could answer this for me, Kalichi. Um, is the mining equipment that the Ethereum miners are using also ASIC miners, just like Bitcoin? Is it is it that resource intensive or is it slightly different? I've actually never looked into that. Me too, I've not. But yeah, it's still, it's still like, you know, expensive and, sure. you know. Yeah, sure. Sure. So we, we won't get into that. Um, I just, you know, it's just, just something I realized when I've never actually looked into what the mining equipment is that they've used for ETH um, because I've been so focused on, on Bitcoin. Um, that, but regardless of whether it's ASICs or not, uh, the, the point is, and the reason why a lot of ETH mining was being done in China previously was because it's super resource intensive, perhaps not as much as Bitcoin, but it's incredibly resource intensive. And anytime you're on a proof of work consensus mechanism, you're having to solve these complex mathematical problems in order to confirm the blocks, put them through and potentially win the block award, which I'm also not sure what that is for ETH, but it's quite a lot, even at its depressed market value, just like with Bitcoin. So the ETH miners, um, and I, one of them, uh, one of the more prominent ones is, um, oh gosh, I'm forgetting his first name, but his last name is Gao. He is Chinese, although I believe he lives in uh, Taiwan or one of the neighboring countries like Singapore. He's actually threatened to, and I say threatened in quotations, you can't threaten a decentralized protocol that's, that's incorporated as a nonprofit, but he's threatened to say, hey, I'm not supporting the merge and I'm going to do the ETH POW token, which actually is funny. It doesn't exist yet because the merge hasn't happened yet, but these ETH POW tokens are being traded on other exchanges as IOUs. It is fascinating, Kalichi, but it's, it's what I get back to is that these people believe that a certain thing is going to happen. They have a biased opinion that something is going to happen. They have all the incentives for that thing that is going to happen. But guess what, folks? That does not mean that it's going to happen, because if you look at the public surveys out there, if you read the news, if you look at forums, and if you talk to people that are significant ETH holders, the overwhelming support, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Kalichi, but the overwhelming support is for the merge. People right. want the consensus, <laughs> uh, pun right here, the consensus has decided <laughs> that Ethereum is not good as a proof of work chain, and that it can continue to do its duties, scale, be less energy intensive, and in fact, get better as that decentralized computer that literally invented the term dApps, it can get better at doing those functionalities as a proof of stake chain. And this right. is why this whole stuff around the merge is so interesting and it's constantly in the news and it's got people going crazy in both directions. Right. So mm -hmm. now that we kind of have some context for that, Let's start off with, let's do a, let's do a, well, I wonder how many pros and cons we have here because we, we have limited time. Let's yeah. start off with some pros and then let's yeah. dive deep into the cons and then maybe let's end it on a pro, right? I want to end it on a, on a positive note. So the yeah. first one that I'm going to start with, Kalichi, mm -hmm. is kind of one that we were just discussing. Mining will no longer be needed. But why is this a pro other than reducing electricity costs? Why is no mining required anymore a pro? Can we get into right. that? Yeah, I mean, essentially, 
what that what that means is that like now anybody can literally run their own copy of the Ethereum network. You can actually run your own node from your computer, right? You could, you know, just, you know, you're not depending on these like heavy equipment, which obviously it's, it, it costs money, you know, it's very expensive and only a few people will be able to do it. But if you become, if, you, if, if we go to the proof of stake um, uh, model, now like it opens up the door for like a lot of people to actually, um, you know, secure the network. So, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, it, it should be like in theory, it should be more um, decentralized and mm -hmm. it should make it, you know, easier for people to secure the network. Um, so obviously the, 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 the huge benefit is the, like the, uh, uh, the electrical like benefit, like uh, would, you know, reduce by 99% on the proof of stake uh, model. But, you know, like you said, you know, there's a lot of people who don't want that to happen because they want that, I guess, control. And they want that, uh, you know, I think right now the e uh, issuance is like 4%, uh, but under the proof of stake, that will be reduced to like um, less than 1%, I think like 0.18% issuance. So there's, yeah. That's all that going yeah. on. Too. Yeah, I think that I think that I had heard that, that the issuance is going down. We're definitely going to have to talk about that in a little bit because that is a pro, a common criticism from Bitcoiners or people that are in other crypto projects of Ethereum for a long time is that Ethereum uh, couldn't audit its supply. Now, I don't think that that's technically true, but they would always say, gosh, you have inflation going on. You have all these ETH being created. How does anybody value an ETH? So. Right. When it goes to the proof of stake model, if that issuance goes down, that's essentially like bringing inflation down or like a, I guess we could say a soft cap, right? Because it's not a hard right. cap like Bitcoin um, where it's, it's going to stop completely. It's a soft cap to where they could bring it down further or you could know the amount of issuance of the tokens that are going to be out there. So the price and demand could equalize accordingly. Right. So that's going to be interesting to see if making it proof of stake and lowering the electricity costs does allow people to run smaller nodes that are validator nodes mm -hmm. at home. I'm almost thinking about how like when you see when you see people running like little Raspberry Pis or things like that uh, to for certain blockchains. I'm wondering if that's going to be possible with ETH. I guess we really won't know until this the proof of stake transition happens because it might be still too resource intensive. But in terms of electricity mm -hmm. and equipment. The barrier of entry is going to go from way up here, right up here, you know, 10 feet tall down to, I don't know, two feet, one and a half feet, the barrier of entry we're talking about. Right, right. So, and when you think about all the proof of stake, um, like blockchains, for example, Cardano would be a good example. I know it gets a lot of flack, but they, they, they got that part right. Like you, it's easy, very easy to get a copy of the Cardano blockchain on your computer and start like actually securing the network. Just all you need to do is just send your 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 ADA in the in the wallet, and you just like delegate it to a stake pool operator, and all of a sudden you're you're part of the network. Like you don't like the barrier of entry, like you said, goes down significantly. And the hope is that's what the eat to uh, the the merge will enable um, to happen. So that's kind of yeah, that's that's where mining is not going to be needed. Like the an energy intensive and costly form of you know producing like new ETH uh, to go into this proof of stake uh, model. Cardano, you don't say, I've never heard of that blockchain. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, that's, it's a fascinating point that you bring up because Charles Hoskinson was one of the co-founders of Ethereum. And the split there was that Charles Hoskinson wanted a for-profit model for the blockchain uh, to kind of respond to capitalistic incentives, whereas Vitalik Buterin wanted a nonprofit model where he wanted it to be fully decentralized, code is law, things like that. So when we, Cardano is an excellent example to look at um, what Ethereum might be like in the future or what they might model on because they are literally being developed by two very, very intelligent people who at one time shared a project, that project being Ethereum. Right. So yeah, that, it's fascinating to think about whether it will evolve to be more like Cardano. I actually hadn't come to that conclusion. So thank you for bringing that up. Mr. I mean, the main, the main technology is obviously not going to be the same because, you know, I think Ethereum uses like an account-based model and, you know, Cardano obviously uses a UTXO model. So 
uh, I, I don't see that changing anytime soon. Now, there will be some kind of interoperability between both blockchains and their projects actually working on those types of things. But, you know, Ethereum is still going to, they're still going to have their account-based model and Coin, uh, Cardano is still going to have their UTX or EUTXO uh, model as well. So extended UTXO, uh, there's probably nothing there to discuss. Um, <laughs> Guys, the running joke we have on the show is that we're all Cardano maxis. Don't worry about it. We're not. <laughs> I'm a nothing maxi. Um, I just like to go with the most interesting projects and I love to learn about basically any blockchain project. So when it comes to reducing the energy by 99%, that is a huge PR win. Right. While, while also being a legitimate environmental win, because mm -hmm. in case you guys don't know, electricity is only free when it comes from a cloud in the form of lightning. Other than that, <laughs> it, has to, it has to be generated in some way. And even, you know, quote unquote, free forms of electricity. I'm thinking of like a hydroelectric dam. You still have to build that with tremendous amounts of metal. You have to have the magnets that are properly there to spin to generate the electricity. Right. It is quite difficult and costly to the environment to generate and set up electricity. So whenever we can get the most benefit, this is why people are gung-ho about making batteries more efficient or having solar panels that last in the hundreds of years um, right. or using totally Electric renewable- vehicles. Sure, or using totally renewable forms of electricity from times past like windmills, something that just, they don't break, they don't cause any environmental damage or things like that. Right. This is a huge win, not only for the environment, because you can divert electricity to other ways, or you simply don't have to take all these resources to make electricity, but it's also a huge PR boost for right. Ethereum. Because as you know, Kalichi, even though Bitcoin continually becomes adopted, even though mainstream institutions invest in Bitcoin, even though people in the third world are adopting Bitcoin as one of the hardest forms of currency ever, I'm using the Lightning Network, you know, Bitcoin will continue to grow as the crazy, amazing technological innovation that it is. It continually suffers from this PR problem to where people say, I don't want to be associated with Bitcoin. It's mm -hmm. using all this electricity. And right. like I said, we won't get into the, the fundamental differences between Bitcoin and Ethereum using proof of work here. They have two different use cases. Bitcoin probably needs to use proof of work and is continually shifting towards renewable sources of electricity. If you look at the way that's being adopted around the world because right. the incentives are aligned, but Ethereum can't really do that. And so it's been necessitated and it's been a thorn in its side for years that it's still consuming all this electricity and that's not even on top of the fees, on top of the slow network, you know, the network uh, times, all that. So I right. want to talk about the pros, you know, what will this do for institutional or perhaps governmental adoption of Ethereum as a programmable right. network computer? Because this PR problem has mm -hmm. firmly been nipped, nipped in the bud. Right, right. It, yeah, that would be huge. It would be a huge win because in, to your point, like most inst institutional investors, um, you know, it actually uh, will hurt their, I guess, their overall, like maybe their brand or their company if they're, you know, dealing with a, you know, like a technology that, you know, consumes a lot of electricity and it's not good for the environment. So by getting rid of that, now it opens up that door for them to actually, you know, be a part of the, you know, you know, the Ethereum, you know, network or community, you know, to, to start investing heavily on it. And not just institutional investors, you have people who really, really like care about the environment, even like, like gamers, for example, who play video games. And, you know, th that's another like segment of the population that, you know, we're trying to bring over to the blockchain industry. And if you tell them that, oh, support this network that is, you know, causing all this like harm to the environment, they were like, no, I don't want to support that. So that, 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 you know, this is definitely going to be a huge win for Ethereum being the second largest crypto, by far the most used blockchain um, when it comes to like literally like DeFi, you know, even an NFT, uh, blockchain gaming, everything, like a lot of them, a lot of that is built on Ethereum. So for, mm -hmm. for Ethereum to move to that, you know, to have that win uh, will attract institutional investors and, you know, people who were previously um, hesitant to join the, the, I guess, the bandwagon will, will be able to do so.
And so then here's, here's an interesting thing that while you were saying that, Kalichi came up to me. So do you think that other networks like Cardano, Avalanche, um, oh gosh, I just had the other one in my it, head. Hedera Hashgraph? No, because Hedera is slightly different because um, it's not using proof of work or proof yeah, of stake. Yeah, it's using the Hashgraph, yeah. <laughs> what, I, what I'm getting at here is that for a long time, many, many, uh, many years, in, in fact, these other blockchains that essentially have been trying to do or fulfill the mission of Ethereum, right? They've also trying to be programmable computers with the NFTs, with the smart contract. Sometimes they do it better. Sometimes they just do it differently. A major selling point for them for the last couple of years is, look at Ethereum. It's using all this energy. You got to support right. our blockchain, okay? Right. But once, once that's no longer true, oh, that's so do you- true. Do you think that there's going to be a huge migration of people that say, because it's kind of like this, this is the analogous argument I would use. The whole reason that Litecoin exists is because Bitcoin's fees were getting too high, the transaction times were getting too long, and people wanted to use this crypto as a currency. Right. But now that you have the Lightning Network, and now that you have Bitcoin's proof of work stuff, continually always shifting to renewable or low cost electricity sources, right. Litecoin is, it's just one of those anomalies that, hey, it still exists. I still love you, Charlie Lee, don't <laughs> give up, okay? I still like Litecoin, it has a use case, but the use case that got people to use it in droves, every day that goes on, it Windows. becomes less, less and less mm. relevant. Not because right. it's a bad project, but because the problem that it was supposed to solve is continually less there. So right. do you think that once Ethereum transitions to proof of stake and they no longer have these electricity problems and mm. they start scaling, which they're, they're trying to do in a couple of months and they do the sharding and the fees start coming down and all the sort of stuff that's supposed to happen after the merge, do you think people say, you know, why would we be with Avalanche? Why would we be with Cardano? Why would we be with the sixth, seventh, 12th? Why would we be with the 25th, you know, best <laughs> blockchain? Why wouldn't we go with the second the second best, right? The one that has the network effect. Right. Why do you think people are going to be shifting into Ethereum? Because that comes with its all that comes with its own issues and pros and cons. All right. I mean, what was EOS the one you were trying to remember by any chance? I don't think so. There's so many of them, you know. There have been <laughs> just just like there's so many Bitcoin competitors, um, there right. are so many ETH competitors, right? Because that's what I always tell people. I say, if you know nothing about crypto, just know that 99% of stuff is based on either Bitcoin or Ethereum. Right. And that'll, that'll <laughs> solve you. And they're like, well, what about the other 1%? I'm like, oh, the other 1% is crazy stuff. Like Monero, <laughs> Monero or HBAR. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I don't think that, because, I mean, already with the current um uh the current um i guess adoption of of these blockchains like ethereum still kind of is like the dominant you know one regardless of you know whether or not it's you know energy efficient and stuff like that because like to your point like it has like the network effect that's what at the end of the day that's what determines whether your blockchain like survives lives or dies you know, if you have the fastest, you see a lot of projects say, oh, we can do a hundred thousand transactions per second. We can, we, you know, we're 99%, you know, energy, you know, efficient or whatever. But if no one is using it, if no one is actively, if no developer like community is actually using your blockchain to create dApps and applications, then it doesn't really matter. So to your point, like even with this proof of stake, you know, um, this it merge happening, uh, it will make those networks even less and less relevant, right? So uh, Ethereum is definitely the 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 I guess eight hundred pound gorilla in the room, and this will just add to the you know to more of the reason why you know it becomes it's still going to be uh, one of the dominant players, uh, but at the end of the day other competitors, blockchain competitors, what they actually have to focus on is not necessarily the, uh, I guess, the energy, you know, benefits, which obviously has to be there. And all, most of them already, they are there already, but it's the, the adoption of the network, the community that you're building, um, the, the mission of the, of the, of the founders or, or the developers, you know, that community, that's what's going to ultimately determine if you succeed or not. Because yeah, 
you know, most of them are already energy efficient, but still don't have that network effect that Ethereum has. Yeah. And as we all know, I mean, you know, you need that Twitter hype to just keep going. And Ethereum doesn't have that Twitter hype. They've got the mainstream world hype. You know, it's so all interesting right. that you talk about how, you know, with the strength of a community and whether people are adopting it, that determines whether the project is successful or not. And that makes me think of Matt Gramcracker coin, which maybe we have discussed sometimes <laughs> um, that Matt created. That just It just won't get off the ground, even though it has so much utility to it. It really does. It just... It's you know we're gonna keep working on it, Kalichi. Okay, I'm not a man who gives up easily. I know that it's number seven thousand on Coin Market Cap. Stop, stop at tweeting at me. Okay, I'm a hodler. Me and Matt actually discussed on the minor leagues about uh, being a hodler versus being a sports fanatic. It was a fascinating conversation. I suggest you pay attention to it. But getting back to the tangent that we were on here, Kalichi. Yeah, the network effect. I mean, you have. I, like, like I said, HBAR is, is different. It uses the hash graph. We're not even talking about proof of work or proof of stake there. But let, let's, assume, let's assume an interesting scenario, okay, before we go into a major con of the merge here. Let's assume that the merge goes off without a hit. Um, it reduces the energy by 99%. What incentive, other than being loyal to a particular blockchain, or the unique assets that some of these blockchains, you know, go into, like 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 we discussed, Cardano is there's a fundamental difference between Cardano and Ethereum. I think there's a slight difference between Ethereum and Avalanche, and then there's slight differences that come up. Other than the communities that people have built on here, I'm thinking about NFT communities, uh, e-commerce, thing, things things like that that already use these coins. Like, what real incentive is there? for people to stay on some of these blockchains if Ethereum is gonna fix this problem and do as promised. I mean, do you see anything other than what, what I just said about loyalty to community or, or maybe simply wanting to build something outside of one of the dominant ecosystems, which is how subcultures form? I mean, there's still gonna be people who, um, I mean, believe in other, I guess, like technology or ways of doing things like ethereum obviously they're the dominance they're one of the first so they have that first mover advantage but i mean that that you could, we could go back in history and look at technology like we can see um you know maybe like nokia or like blackberry you know they came out for like they were one of the first but you know obviously you know we didn't just like settle for that you know you have apple came in and changed the game right so you know you know, Ethereum obviously have that going for it, um, but there's still going to be a lot of people who we want to like innovate and create something different. And quite frankly, I think that is good because if everything just rests on Ethereum, like succeeding or failing, then we're all like, it's it's not a good thing because, you know, go, uh, we're going to talk more about the con here, but if, if, if anything goes wrong, then the whole blockchain <laughs> situation is gone. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't want that right especially because like bitcoin is always going to be there but bitcoin doesn't have smart contracts you know like functionalities that enables you know developers to build like dApps applications you know marketplaces and things like that right uh, like identity solutions and all kinds of things i mean i guess you can do that in some capacity but it's it's not that's not what it was built for like the main benefit so you know you know, that, that is Ethereum, but if anything goes wrong and Ethereum, something happens, then, you know, you're kind of screwed. So I think there's still going to be a market for people who, you know, want to invest in the next Apple or want to invest in the next, you know, you know, you know, disruptor, you know, to see, especially if they're gaining momentum and they actually have sound technology and, you know, a growing community um, and just, it, it, it's it there's always going to be a market for that you know this is i mean at the end of the day this is business money people want to invest in things that they believe that has potential so there's always going to be people who um who believe in those other projects or other blockchains as well in my humble opinion i'm not saying that's the 100 percent truth but that's what i think well i appreciate that it's your humble opinion and not your overt shouting opinion um, <laughs> just just for my earphones here yeah it, it's um it's funny because 
you're so right here where, you know, let's assume that Ethereum goes to the merge without a hit, everything goes well, we're looking five, 10 years down the road. It works as intended. You, you never ever, no matter what system you're setting up, it could be a home, it could be a city, it could be a country, it could be a business. You never want to have a single central point of failure. Failure. And yep. so, so even if Ethereum does all the amazing things that it's supposed to do, it's just it replaces title deeds. The smart contracts execute flawlessly. There's no reason to ever doubt it. What happens if something happens to Ethereum? I mean, it would be like the only analogy I can think of. We know that I love analogies here. <laughs> it would be like if the sun went out. Guess what happens if the sun goes out? You're not living on Earth very long. You, it's the it's the main fundamental thing that you need to have life in this cold, barren universe. So, Ethereum will probably continue to grow, and in my humble opinion, because it has such a use case to it, because you can do so much with it, because it is programmable, it right. is not unlikely that in 10, 20, maybe even less than that year's time, one ETH might be worth more than one Bitcoin because they, they play fundamentally different roles. Bitcoin, right. I mean, Bitcoin could be, and its greatest use case right now is store of value. It could be like having a bar of gold. I can go out and buy a bar of gold right now for $2,000 and some change, whatever the market price is. I haven't looked at it, but it's probably gonna stay around there until I'm dead. It's going to go up and down with inflation, but it's unless somebody comes up with just an amazing invention, you know, the new Tesla battery or something like that, and you have to use gold. Gold is so critical that you can't make it without it. Gold is going to continue to do what gold has done since humans gave it value. On right. the other hand, Ethereum is like a MacBook, right? I have a MacBook now. It's pretty damn valuable. It's how I'm speaking to you. It's how I make this stuff. It's how I go to work. I bank, I email. There's so many things I could do with it. Do you think that a MacBook 10 years from now is going to be even better, the same or worse? It's a rhetorical question, of course. It's going to be even better because mm -hmm. that's how technology progresses. I mean, for God's sakes, in 10 years, the MacBooks, you're probably going to be going into the metaverse with the MacBooks. They're going to suck yeah. you in like Jumanji. <laughs> you're going to have to try and pull yourself out. Hey, <laughs> Matt, I'm in the metaverse. Get me out. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. but that's, but that is the fundamental promise of ETH is that you, when you have a programmability token, you just talk to a coder. If you can find one on, on your friendly local street corner, newsflash, they're probably in a dark basement somewhere, hmm. or you can find one on a forum, you can program almost anything. And if you don't almost think that thing, if you don't think that things are programmed, go to your local city council meeting and ask how the traffic lights are run. They don't press those buttons. They got a computer uh -huh. program that's running that stuff. That is a right. teensy tiny example. Okay. Right. So if ETH is programming the world, it's doing this, it's doing that, it's replacing all sorts of stuff. I can see why some people would be ETH maxis. Once again, I'm not a maxi on anything. I just, that's just not my style. Yeah. But this leads us into our, an excellent and huge con. But huge, before, huge con. Before we, before we go there, like just to, to round everything up, you just said about like becoming more valuable than Bitcoin is, Based on the improvement this could could give Ethereum, um, the like I said, the, the issuance when once proof of stake goes live uh, will be like point zero um, point one eight percent issuance mm -hmm. from four percent, so yes. way less than one percent. And now when when this like huge network activity because of adoption because it's now like faster. I mean, obviously it's not going to happen immediately. There has to be like sharding and all that kind of stuff. Sure. But it's going to make it to where there's going to be a huge demand. So think about think about the micro the macroeconomics, right? Low supply, so it's going to reduce from four percent to zero point one eight percent, and there's going to be a huge demand. So that will actually make it deflationary. To where there's going to be this huge usage of it like fees and transactions and all that stuff and there's just going to be less and less of it like available and that's that's what can make it like explode like the price right just demand and supply economics however like that's the, that's the main thing like it's maxis like they really that's what they're bullish on they're bullish on the fact that you know this will make it <clears throat> just explode but 
but there could be a con. <laughs> Whoa! That could make stop all it. that stuff. You're scaring me. Stop it. Let's stop. <laughs> no, continue. Continue. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, you, you're gonna start like start about talk about the con. So yeah, the major con, the elephant in the room. Wouldn't it be cool if I had an elephant in this room right now and you just heard it in the background? That's too expensive. I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe I can find a trunk sound on Envato. You know what? It's not a big deal. The main con in the room is that Kalichi, you need 32 ETH to have a proper staking pool. People can contribute into that. People can add small amounts, but the main validator nodes are going to have 32 ETH. Right now, that's around at market prices, it's like 60 grand or something like that. So it's unlikely that most people are going to have their own validator node. They're going to have to be a part of somebody else's validator node. The people that are mainly going to have the validator nodes are going to be exchanges or institutions with lots and lots of ETH, to which the, this begs the question, uh, isn't that centralization? <laughs> yeah. Yep. What do you mean, man? You're freaking me out here. Six, yeah. So like 60 to 70%, right, uh, of the current like ETH validators are like, like uh, I guess, centralized entities that have to comply in some capacity with the OFAC, like the OFAC, like Office of you know, Foreign Asset Control. They right. have to comply to those people. So if anything happens and they have to, you know, maybe sanction a particular like, you know, cryptocurrency or say one of the popular like DeFi apps, again, you know, I don't want to throw any, any of them under the bus, but say the most popular DeFi um, app in the Ethereum network gets thrown into uh, the sanction list. Now they have to comply. So the overall thing is, the overall message there is, it ceases to become a decentralized world computer because there's that element of centralization of the people in power, like the powers that be that we're trying to like get, get not get rid of, but just take the power away from them to more the, uh, decentralized in a way. Now it's almost like we're going back to giving those people power by enabling like 60 to 70% of um, the network to be protected by people who have to actually like risk, like comply to their demands. Because if anything happens and they want to like put anybody in jail, they're going to side with, they're going to like side with the law in a lot of ways. Now there's a lot of people saying, there's a lot of people saying like, I know Brian Armstrong from Coinbase said, Hey, when that time comes, push come to shove, we'll rather like shut down this part of our business than comply. That's billions and billions of dollars that they have to like, you know, you know, just shut down. Now, I mean, he's saying the right things, but again, he's just human. Like, I'm not gonna take the word of a particular human being because I don't know what he what he decides uh, decides to do. So it's that's the point. Like, everything has to be, you know, decentralized to where we're not relying on the decision of an individual or a couple of individuals to determine the future of the network. Like that's, that's, that's the exact opposite of what this whole movement is all about. So that's the risk. And a lot of people are saying, oh, when that time happens, when that happens, you know, you know, there will be, you know, people will just like stop using them and they're gonna lose all their revenue. And all that sounds good, but it doesn't change the fact that there's that threat in existence. So just something to keep in mind. I mean, that's a huge threat. It's like, I think we're actually kind of seeing that right now with the tornado cash sanctions, which right. is a prominent uh, Ethereum mixer. Now feel however you want to about mixers. You can say, well, they're all money laundering. They should you know, do this. But the fact is it goes through Ethereum. You're not supposed to be able to control anything on Ethereum, just like Bitcoin. That's the vision. But the U.S. government sanctioned Tornado Cash. Lots of governments around the world have sanctioned it. And since it goes through Ethereum, it is a default censorship of the network. And it taints mm -hmm. those tokens in the same way that people used to worry about getting tainted Bitcoin. And right. I have to believe that in the future, as Ethereum is more adopted, because it's fully open and auditable, just like Bitcoin, that will only grow. And because you have mentioned that it's on an account-based model, it's not obfuscated in any way. 
This is rather easy to look up. There are entire firms that dedicate themselves to what's called blockchain forensics. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> we, we, get, we get to this point where it's doing 70 to 80% of the world's programmability because it's got the second network effect. And you're right. What happens if you're, you're a company that's doing business or you're a government that's doing business? And the, mm -hmm. in the traditional finance system, you know, let's say some country in Africa or the Caribbean does something that the U.S. doesn't like. They just take them off of the SWIFT system. And there's another banking system. I can't believe it's called. And then guess what? You can't move money around. And if you can't move money around, you can't really exist in the modern world. It's not like the olden days where you can load stuff on a pirate ship and just send it off. You de you're dependent on this. Well, yeah. Ethereum would, would be, imagine if you're a government and you're trying to settle accounts, sign contracts, do, make diplomatic relations on Ethereum. We have no idea what this network could be used for because it is so programmable. But then somebody does something that somebody else doesn't like, and that somebody has a little bit more power and they just say, uh, nope. And you're like, well, there goes that decentralization. There mm -hmm. goes that, that unique power aspect. And so right. what you, one could ask themselves, they'd say, uh, you know, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. I'm uh, captain it's now. Just, it's just, it's just, look at me. <laughs> I'm look captain at me. now. I'm the captain now. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a legitimate concern. And it it, is. That's, that's the biggest con that I see. I have a tinier con to bring up before we kind of finish on a positive note, but any more comments on this? I mean, yeah. this, the creeping risk of centralization seems not only antithetical to what crypto is supposed to do, but it's like, it seems antithetical to what Ethereum was founded to do as a nonprofit. Like I said, the entire reason Ethereum exists was as this code is law, people are free. You, you can't stop the network. Decentralize, mm -hmm. decentralize, decentralize. Right. And I just, I wonder how they navigate through these incredibly muddy waters. Okay, so let's let's bring another like interesting aspect to this. So a lot of what um, the Ethereum network is dependent upon, especially when it comes to like decentralized finance and just the entire like um like operation of the network, is something called like a stablecoin, sure. right? Stablecoins like is useful pretty much everything like a lot of things like DeFi. you know you need stable coins when you lock your eth you know or your ave or whatever to borrow money most likely you're borrowing like a stable coin you're borrowing usdc you're borrowing usdt um or another one called Dai, which i don't know why they named it named it Dai. it's supposed to be like this goddess or whatever but just a funny name Dai. um but <laughs> um you, you have usdc you have usdt right and even when people want to like protect their assets from a, a sudden market collapse, they switch it to a stablecoin. So stablecoins is a very fundamental to the existence of you know most you know blockchain you know applications. Now, we, especially with the recent like fall of you know Luna and UST and all these hacks happening, you know with you know you know, DeFi protocols and most like, especially some stable coins like depegging, a lot of the, I guess, value is, has been going to USDC, which is uh, owned by Circle, which is, you know, a US-based like entity, again, that has to comply with the OFAC. <laughs> so if you have something as big as uh, a stable coin, like I think if you look at the coin market cap or coin gecko right now, like USDC has literally, I remember when USDC was like, like below like top 20 and now mm -hmm. USDC is like, I think four or five, like <laughs> a lot of the stable coins, people be like, you know what? I don't want to risk my, my stable coin in, in one of these decentralized stable coins. I want it to be on a centralized stable coins. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. So now, like, everything is not going to a centralized, like, uh, a stable coin that if the, anything happens, like the OFAC sanctions anything, they can just, like, just halt, you know. They have to, like, comply. The, this circle has to comply with OFAC. So if you have this like huge part of the of the Ethereum ecosystem dependent upon USDC, 
even USD, USDT and maybe BUSD or whatever that has some form of centralization tied to it. That is very risky. That is wow. very risky. You, that is such a great point. I didn't even think about it. I mean, that is, that's one step away. The difference between a CBDC, a central bank digital currency, and USDC or anything else running on Ethereum, if Ethereum is censored or can be shut down, is just one derivation away in the network. It's who controls the network. And right. if you're able to censor Ethereum, or if you're able to tell people that are using the Ethereum network, hey, bud, not allowed to buy that taco. Too much jail. Can go to jail. Bad avocado season, climate change, and all that. If you're able to censor people like that, you essentially have a decentralized CBDC. It is, yep. it is, it's, it's something where you can shout, I'm free all you want. But if the prison walls are up and they won't unlock the door, you got to face facts and say, I think I might be, uh, I think I might be in a jail. Um, <laughs> I, I don't want to admit this, but I think I might be in a jail. Wow. I did not think about that. And that's so interesting because not only did I teach Matt how to use USDC, so I was using it for him to get, um, to transfer out of our stable coins to USDC to eventually get dollars. Um, it's useful right there, but if it were controlled and you weren't allowed to do that and it depegged or you weren't allowed to transfer out, it becomes useless. It becomes a very useless token. I, that's, and this is so important because as you have told me and as others have told me, the people that most use stable coins right now, the biggest market for stable coins is either the DeFi protocols themselves to protect from the volatility. But what I'm talking about from a user standpoint is developing nations, people that don't have good fiat currencies. Right. They want it to be pegged with the strongest currency on earth, which right now is the US dollar. It could change. Right. And they want a digital representation of that that doesn't move up or down. They want one to equal one. But if that one can be censored, similar to how if you were able, if you were to use US dollars in um, some communist countries uh, openly, like the uh, North Korea, Cuba, Venezuela, okay. it is technically illegal and you could be thrown into prison for doing some of those things. In which case, you may have a strong currency, the dollar, but if you can't use it, if it can be censored, if it gets you in trouble, right. what do you really have there? What is the tool that you really have there? Yeah. One, of the, um, one of the softer cons that I wanted to bring up that I think most people don't bring up here, Kalichi, and then we'll wrap up on a kind of a positive note, is that you know, people give a lot of crap to the ETH miners for wanting to not do the merge, for having this kind of thrust upon them. But I want to look at it from the miners' perspective, okay? So if there had, if there had never been any ETH miners, Ethereum would not exist. It, it is a proof of work chain and has been since its existence. The miners have been doing what they're incentivized to do. They, they believe in Ethereum. They want to make money. They're, they're paying the costs in terms of electricity, time, and resources to do what the network requires. They've essentially just been following orders, right? But then, you know, there's no voting mechanism, right? There's no, nobody voted on Ethereum to say, hey, y'all, we're, we're moving to proof of stake. Cast your vote to make sure you want to do it. It was kind of decided by the larger group of developers and the ecosystem as a whole to go to this. And everybody just says, oh, well, those greedy miners, those miners, they've been using too much electricity. They've been doing this. They've been doing that. Screw them. But I'm trying to look at it from the miners perspective. You've been doing what you thought was the best since time immemorial. You invested countless time, resources, energy in this. And now you are being told, hey, what you're doing um, is not only going to cease to exist, but it's bad. You're a bad person. People don't like you anymore. And I think that that is a little bit short-sighted. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens if you know, <laughs> once you're a proof of work um, protocol to you know move to a proof of stake, that that has to happen eventually, you know. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that's 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 where we are. So um, it's <laughs> it's a reality that we have to face. Most like, most people are excited about like networks like. Cardano or, you know, other like proof of state network that don't have to deal with all those types of things. And that's, that's another thing that like, like you said, it's like a con that, you know, 
so that the the eat community have to face um but it's quite unfortunate but it's just the reality yeah i'm trying to think about you know my famous analogies i'm struggling to come up with an analogy here but it's like it's like if if all of a sudden um you know, we found out that growing oranges just consumes too much water. And so on principle, we're no longer going to drink orange juice. And all you've been doing is tending to your orange groves and fertilizing it, make sure you have the best oranges. And then people are like, hey, buddy, what are you doing? You're a, you're a criminal. And you're like, whoa, whoa, I, I, I have not harmed anybody here. I'm not trying to do anything. And it's just the world, the world is, is moving past you and having to drag you kicking and screaming. And they don't care whether you're going to lose your shirt, your whole income, your whatever, because it is just changing. And so where I'm really wrapping this up as a con, it's a kind of a soft con, is that this is a major example of Ethereum moving on without getting what we think of in the Western world as like a proper vote or like some sort of, for lack of a better word, consensus mechanism. Who is to say that there won't be other things like this once they transition to proof of stake? To where oh things will be good for a year six months two years whatever and then they'll just completely again upturn the apple cart and you'll go whoa, whoa, whoa i thought that this was like set in stone on ethereum and then you lose your shirt again or you do this that is a con i think is that ethereum has been known to move fast and break things but at what point are you like oh my gosh y'all just do whatever you want and right. we ha we're, we're dragged along for the ride Right, right, yeah. Especially when you're trying to build something that that could be a, a world decentralized um, computer or ecosystem, you, you you cannot rush it. You can't rush it. You you have to look at everything. You know, cross the T's, dot the I's, make sure everything because a lot is at stake. A, like mm -hmm. pun intended, a lot is at stake. <laughs> <laughs> so. You don't want to rush it and you want to make sure um yeah everything everything is uh it's not just going to fall apart uh based on conflict of interest and just all kinds of stuff it's 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 definitely crazy but uh fun fun at the same time as we would say here uh in the crypto studios kalichi say la vie say la vie such is life such is life <laughs> to all my French crypto miners out there, yeah, well, you know, and I'm not trying to defend the ETH miners. I actually support the the move here to proof of stake. It, you know, at least they're finally doing what they said they've been going to do for five years. So, Bitelec, <laughs> if you were late to my party, I don't know if I'd let you in, but I don't know. You're kind of a skinny dude, and you got that great smile. So come on in, <laughs> come on, grab a drink, eat a, sam eat a sandwich too, and do some push-ups. <laughs> So we're going to end on a positive note here, Kalichi. We've already gone for a pretty long time. I think we've really dissected some of these pros and cons. I'm really glad that you've been able to dive in deep with me. It's always nice to have somebody that is as knowledgeable or, let's be real, a little bit more knowledgeable about stuff outside of my comfort zone here because I'm not a big, I'm not a big ETH head. Um, I, I tend to be a mostly Bitcoin guy. And then there's a couple other projects that I like. I'm not a maxi on anything, but I'll end on this positive note, Kalichian, and ask for your comments on the positivity. Ethereum, despite moving fast and breaking things, despite having this huge programmer network, despite the personal controversies throughout the years, things like that, Ethereum has this really, really rabid, and I mean that in a good way, really rabid community of people that they want to see a good change in the world. I try, I try and compare it to Cardano. The, um, when people talk about Cardano and ETH, I get a similar vibe to where they say, we just want this to work. We want there to be as least fees as possible. We want 100% uptime because this will change people's lives. And whatever people say about Fidelic Buterin or the lead developers that are involved in it, I continually read or see stuff to where I think that it is genuine. And I don't think that they could be the number two token in the world if it wasn't genuine. So on a positive note here, no matter what happens with Ethereum, I do think that the vast majority, and that is, I'm going to say over 75% of people involved in making Ethereum, developing it, deploying it, I think that they are rabid do-gooders, and that is not a bad thing in my opinion. That is kind of the real heart of what crypto is supposed to be. And so if they can make that vision happen better, more widespread, and with less cost, 
after the merge, then I don't see any way how I could not support it. I'd love your thoughts on that as we close. Absolutely, absolutely. And especially if things can be done to prevent the centralization part of it, which I think there are, there are things that can be done and will be done, you know, it, when that time comes, you know, uh, like I think there's something called like slashing where, you know, if any, if Coinbase does anything crazy or attempts to do anything crazy, they can actually um, um, stop that. Um, the community can actually stop that or just like fork their version of whatever they're doing and just do something different. But <clears throat> it's, it's like you said, the overall intention is to create a better society, a society that takes us away from this current, I guess, uh, the current system that is not working. And that's kind of, uh, to your point, the, the, the vision and the drive behind, you know, something like Ethereum. Uh, I mean, I can't speak for everybody. Obviously, they're like bad actors, but for the vast majority of people who are building in this space and, you know, working on the Ethereum, you know, uh, protocol and blockchain, it is that desire to see the world be a better place, to have open access to finance, to, you know, to, you know, the world and that's where DeFi actually came you know the whole concept of DeFi came into play so i mean that's why going back to the first question i want to see ethereum succeed like there's mm. no there's no benefits you know you know to, in my opinion to see ethereum fail like at the end of the day you know they're trying to do good developers the people working on these things are trying to do good uh trying to take power away from central players you know in different like industries you know finance you know markets real estates you know games corporations everything they're trying to make everything to where the power goes to the people you know so that is a noble cause regardless of where you sit you know proof of work proof of stake at the end of the day we're trying to make um the world a better place that's all that matters that's a great place to end it. It's just so fascinating too, because that exact same philosophy and treaties is what is uh, behind Matt Graham Cracker coin, but that's a members only <laughs> token. It's a members only token that you can't get. Uh, you can feel free to message me guys if you want some of it. We're in the building phase. We're trying to build the community. It's going to have some <laughs> fire NFTs. I will just tell you that. And we're trying to inter integrate this thing where you get real graham cracker dust on your shirt in the <laughs> real world just from digitally interacting with it. You know, everybody always complains about crypto dust on their balances. This is going to be real dust, real, <laughs> graham, real graham cracker dust. But that's still in the development stages. Kalichi, I wanted to thank you again for joining me here on the Brain Trust. As always, so sad that Matt is feeling under the weather and couldn't join us here. I would have loved to know his opinions on this stuff. He claims that he doesn't have any opinions, but you know what? Whenever I ask him something, he's always got something that makes me think. Blows like us said, away, yeah. If you, if you watch the minor leagues, it's like I could just throw a ball onto the wall, that wall is Matt, and it just comes back like twice, twice as fast. And I'm like, whoa, I didn't think about that. So always value his opinion. Sorry that he was not able to join us on this episode, but hopefully this was a rousing conversation between Kalichi and I. Next week, we're going to wrap up our series on the merge, and we're going to be talking about misconceptions around the merge. There's misconceptions, Kalichi, like is every Ethereum token going to become wrapped up with a bow and with a clearance tag from your local department store? I don't know. We're going to have to clear that up in the episode. Is, is Ethereum, once it transitions to proof of stake, going to smell strongly of garlic? I'm not sure. We're going to have to get these things cleared up on the next episode. Okay. And Matt will be joining me for that one, I hope. Kalichi, you will be definitely joining me for that one. And we will see you there. This has been another episode of the Bitmart Brain Trust. And hopefully, we've made you just a little bit smarter the future hello to everybody out there in crypto land did you enjoy that conversation i know that i did it's always interesting to learn more about crypto projects nfts and what is going on in this very unique industry but now we've got to get some legal stuff out of the way all right it's just the way that it is so i wanted to let you know that all opinions and actions expressed and undertaken by the hosts and guests are individual opinions and actions and do not reflect the views and actions of bitmark 
BitMart does not guarantee the accuracy, applicability, reliability, integrity, performance, completeness, or appropriateness of this content. The value of digital currencies can go up or down, and there can be a substantial risk in buying, selling, holding, or investing in digital currencies. You should carefully consider whether trading or holding digital currencies is suitable for you based on your personal investment objectives, financial circumstances, and risk tolerance. BitMart does not provide investment, tax, or legal advice. Use of BitMart services is entirely at your own risk.